do that um, and, uh, and purchase anything new. Anyway, um, the reason I'm bringing this topic up because I realize that there are probably other topics uh, that we could bring up that um, are in the news, like the debate, is that um, Cage Restaurant had to make. It's those in the hospitality industry, whether they're uh, hotels or whether they're um, whether they're restaurants, they're the ones that had to make significant, dramatic, overnight changes. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. And it's nice. It's nice to be here. I've probably been here a couple of times mm-hmm. over my life. Now we are not inside. We're in the igloos and um, and. Uh, We'll talk more about that again uh, when uh, when we have a chance to um, speak with uh, Dave LaHousse uh, and he sits down with us. So are we still broadcasting um, in any way so that we know that uh, we can keep Yeah, yeah you, you, you keep talking. Okay, fine, thank you. So um, I guess uh, now we're going to move on to the topics of, uh, of the day. And the topics of the day uh, involve uh, things like... Um, uh, the debate uh, that took place uh, the other night. Uh, there was um, a debate on, on television. Uh, our presidential candidates uh, were involved. And um, so I, you know, the day after the debate, I asked Jeff Gamash, uh, hey, Jeff, uh, did you watch it? And yes, he did, um, did in fact watch it. And uh, he, um, he had his, um, his opinions about how, uh, how the debate went. And uh, I certainly uh, have my opinions about how the debate went. Especially since um, I didn't watch the debate. So, Chris, I guess I'm going to begin uh, with you. So, I watched it live, didn't look for any feedback after the debate. Um, and then I watched it again and saw a different perspective. And, uh, you know, people will criticize the president. The president is very verbose and very forward. But if you watch it again or you watch the replays on YouTube, you'll find that. Uh, Vice President Biden was the first one to start interrupting. Mm-hmm. So you watch it, there, there was a nice exchange, and then all of a sudden uh, Biden would, would get his uh, hand up and he would interrupt the president. And I think the president made a terrible mistake by buying into that because he, he, he came across and the impression was that he was being dominant and he was overbearing. But again, if you watch it initially, it was actually uh, Biden who was doing that. Then I looked at the thought of how bad did Chris Wallace do? It's a very difficult job to moderate. You know, two people want to become president of the United States, and then I looked. He did a really bad job. He did an awful job. And the president put out a tweet saying it was basically two against one. And then again, if you watch it, I don't want to always take the conservative side, take the side of the president. But if you watch it, he basically uh, Chris Wallace had follow-up questions for the president, had no follow-up questions. Uh, for the vice president, and it was almost like I'm watching this football game, and it's Oklahoma versus Kansas State, and there's a 35-point spread. There, you know, Kansas State is underdogs, and it looked like that Wallace almost wanted to handicap the the debate and made it more difficult for the president. So, uh, hey, listen, just told me perfect, no feedback. Everybody's, uh, we can hear it just fine. So it almost seemed like Wallace wanted the feedback. But the one thing that people have to focus on, when I was inquiring in 2016 before the election, I was getting a lot of feedback from people. And people were saying, I really don't like Donald Trump, but I'm very concerned about the Supreme Court. 
So therefore, I'm going to hold my nose. I'm voting against Hillary. I'm voting for Donald Trump because he has a vision. He put out a list of these are the federal court judges that he will consider for the Supreme Court. And there was a concern, what's going to, the direction that we're going to take. And, you know, so people kind of supported that. I was very upset, and it has to be a follow-up. If there's a follow-up debate, Joe Biden has to answer, are they going to stack the Supreme Court? As we talked about it, people who follow the Constitution, it's very silent to how many Supreme Court justices there's supposed to be. There are nine. But what happens if Biden gets in and we have a Senate controlled by the Democrats and they add 12 judges? Um, to, me, to me, that's grounds for treason. I try to keep an open mind, and I want to, and I'm not moving to Canada if Donald Trump loses. I'm going to go on with my life and make the adjustments I have to make. But if the Democrats took the Senate and decided they were going to pack the Supreme Court, that's, that's terrible government. It's, it's, it's just bad for the country, and he would not answer that question. And shame on Chris Wallace for not following up. Um, it's, it's a big key issue that there's a separation there. If you just joined us, it's Thursday, and it's the airport program. And the uh, the players are essentially the same, Roger Bouchard along with uh, Chris Boulay. However, the location is different. We're in the igloo at Kay's on Cass Avenue in Woonsocket. And uh, the igloo is uh, one of the, well, I guess you'd say, modifications that uh, David LaHousse and staff have made to... Uh, the K's operation. We'll talk more about that later in the broadcast, but we do want you to know that uh, we are here and uh, we're seated uh, very comfortably. The sun is uh, is behind us and uh, the igloo is extremely comfortable. And we've got our coffee and water and we're extremely happy too. Are you, uh, and Jeff Gamash is uh, taking care of a beautiful day. Yeah, so it's a gorgeous day. And I'll tell you, as we move into the winter, sitting inside of the bubble you can see the warming properties it'll have uh there's a, a little bit of a little self-warming that happens so it won't be too chilly in here as you move through the fall you can definitely tell that all right well when dave arrives uh, we'll uh, chat with him about that so you saw the debate twice as i as you uh, mentioned um and i guess um depending i guess anybody can blame uh, the uh, the moderator of the debate uh, because if you didn't like the way the debate came out, you don't want to blame your candidate, right? <laughs> so have, because we've learned that uh, doing a talk show. We're, uh, we're essentially right now we're moderators of the program. And uh, if we report on something uh, in the news and give a straight news report on it, sometimes uh, people don't like it because, because you said it, even though you're just reporting uh, on it. But anyway, that's um, that's uh, the uh, the risk that you take when you uh, to do a talk show. And again, not to continue on the on the debate issue, but I uh, follow presidential history very closely, and I've seen it before. But I wanted to notice. I looked at last night. I spent an hour and I watched the uh, Nixon Kennedy debate, 1960. Uh -huh. And of course, it's known as the fact that you know Kennedy looked great. And Nixon was sick and was sweating, and people who listened to it on the radio thought Nixon won. People who watched it thought Kennedy won. But point of order, do you know how many times they interrupted each other? I don't. Zero. Uh -huh. it was, the, the, the quorum was so much better. 
the president was uh, vice president was asked a question. He gave a, a, a talk. Uh, the Senator Kennedy would make notes, and then he would respond to the issues. There were no personal attacks whatsoever. It was strictly policy to the point where they spoke about where they agreed. Okay, I agree with the senator on this one, except for that. that. And if you juxtapose that to 2020, it's, it's like night and day. Well, I wish you would have asked me, uh, can I guess as to how many times they interrupted each other? I probably would have guessed zero. <laughs> I really would. <laughs> Because, um, you know, when you think back to that time and place, uh, civility was uh, the order of the day. There's no, no question about that. So I am not unsurprised about that. Hey, this is the Upfront program, and we're covering uh, the, the topics of the day, including the topic of uh, the debate that was held. And I guess uh, the only thing that uh, we can say now is uh, that there are two more debates. But did I hear that um, there are some Democrats calling for... Uh, the former vice president not to participate in the next two debates and how much of a real chance could that have of happening well i think most people will agree with this statement that the expectations were very low for the vice president he looked like he was full of botox he was looked very very good he had good makeup on and he was able to carry on a sentence or two better than he normally has and i think people realize that he, he did okay. The expectations were extremely low. And then, the, again, and I'll get to your, your answer to your question. Sure. Uh, the, the president fell into a trap because the president kept cutting him off. And if the president would have just backed off a little bit, he has trouble after 35, 40, 50 seconds of continuing that thought. So I think, in my personal opinion, the vice president did as well as he's going to do. And they may use this as an example. I did a little bit of research last night and in 1964, uh, there was no debate. In 1968, there was no debate. Ken, um, Johnson didn't want to debate because during the Vietnam War, he thought there were secrets that would come out, which didn't make any sense. He didn't want to debate. He obviously was going to win in a landslide over Goldwater. And in 1968, President Nixon was so stung from the poor performance he did in 1960 that there was no debates. So I think there's a possibility that they could use this and, and, and go ahead. And I think that would really be shortchanging the, the country, and it certainly would be shortchanging the media because the media would would want more information. But they are coddling this candidate to the nth degree. So to answer your question, I, I think it's probably a little less than fifty percent chance that this may be the last debate. Well, what about the vice presidential debate that will take place between Pine, uh, Vice President Pence and Kamala Harris? Do you have any uh, predictions on how that would fall down as far as uh, decorum is concerned? Vice, uh, vice President Pence is, in my opinion, not meeting him, not knowing him, as the ultimate gentleman. So there's a lot of things that he could go at Kamala Harris as opposed to Kamala Kamala is how she wants to be called. And I don't, I don't think he's going to go there. I, mean, I think he's going to stick on policy. And if you go back to the performance of Ms. Harris as Attorney General of California, there's a lot of skeletons in her closet. She did a very, very poor job. So I think it's going to be much more based on closer to the 1960 election, if I had to guess, where it's going to be less personal, more about policy. And I think she's going to do pretty poorly, although... She didn't do terrible in the other debates, the Democratic debates, but she only garnered about 3% of, of, of the support. So I think Pence has got it all over her. 
but certainly I don't think we'll digress anywhere near it did between Trump and Biden. This is the Upfront program, and uh, looks like we've arrived at our first break time. We have a few uh, commercials that we're going to uh, take care of, and then we'll return. We're broadcasting from K's on Cass Avenue in the igloo, and uh, in one of the igloos uh, that has been introduced as a way to, um, as the governor uh, described in her uh, news conference uh, yesterday, we're talking about uh, takeout restaurants, and we're talking about moving operations outdoors, and uh, this is certainly what um, what they have done here at, uh, at K's. Back in just about three minutes. Inside dining, outside dining, or your favorite pickup order to go from Grumpy's Restaurant, Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood to our Italian dishes and our tasty pizzas. One of the best menus in the area. Hungry tonight or today? Come on in today and enjoy the friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup order or place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's, 190 Pulaski Boulevard, Bellingham, Massachusetts. Grubhub delivery also available. Are you thinking about opening a business or expanding your existing business? Do you need a building to rent or purchase? Call one of the best commercial realtors around who has helped over 30 businesses start up or grow in our community. Contact Garrett Mensary at Gateway Realty, who can help you find that place that works for you. His phone number is 401-651-1519. And start your search today. There's plenty of office, retail, manufacturing, industrial, or vacant land properties out there on the market. And Garrett Mensary can find it for you. This phone number again is 401-651-1519. So give him a call today. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We are back to the Upfront program for this Thursday morning. And we're broadcasting from K's on Cass Avenue in the Igloo. I'm Roger Bouchard, along with uh, Chris Boulay. And uh, be joined a little bit later by uh, Dave LaHousse and talk about his operation. But right now, we're going to be talking about some of the issues of the day. And there's been a committee meeting. And I'm going to name the uh, committee, and then we'll let uh, Chris uh, talk a little bit about what they have recommended. And this committee is called the Racist Policies Review Advisory Board. It was created by the Woonsocket City Council. It's been meeting for the past couple of months, and uh, they had a vote the other night, a 12 to 1 vote. And I'll tell you that 12 to 1 vote, which of course doesn't mean anything because it's just a recommendation, could change the whole face of Woonsocket politics if it's ever adopted. Chris, um, tell us what it is and what you think about it. Yes, right now, as almost all listeners know, Woonsocket has an at-large situation with the city council. So you have seven city council members who run, and they represent the entire city. So this board proposed that they go back to or go to a ward-based city council. So seven districts and seven areas would have representation uh, individually. So you'd have one, you know, for these, you know, East Pro, I'm sorry, um, uh, East Side, you have one for for Fairmount, what have you, and I'm, I'm totally against it. I'm absolutely totally against it. Right now, we have 14 people running for city council for seven seats. We don't even need a, a runoff. We don't even need a primary to 
limit where it's down to neighborhoods, I think you're going to create a watering down of the candidates. And I don't think it's necessary. The city's 8.8 square miles. We have 41,000 residents. And I think this is a big step backwards. And I'll never be convinced that this is a good thing that somehow is going to add to the democracy. We have state rep seats right now that are running unopposed. And I think what you're going to see, if you were to move to something like this, you would have uh, uh, probably a lot of these seats would run unopposed because you're limiting the scope of the candidates. So that's like if you're looking for candidates in, in, uh, in Rhode Island and you say it has to be a Rhode Island resident, you know, you can't have a commissioner of education from Tulsa or from Florida or what have you. You just minimize it. I think you're going to have weaker government. I think you have weaker candidates. And I think when I was at Textron, I used to work very closely with Information Technology Group, and we have projects, and we try to do certain things. And if you try to do something beyond that, they called it out of scope. You're adding something in addition to what we're trying to focus on. And having that out of scope, that's what I think this is. I don't think this has anything to do with race. I don't think race relations are going to be improved by having wards. And um, I'm, I'm totally against it. Uh, I, I think it's silly. I mean, you might as well have one person for every 800 streets. We'll have 800 candidates. So um, hopefully it doesn't have any traction. But it was 12 to 1 against Pauline Demers voted against it. That's right. And she parted ways. And um, Pauline's great. Um, she explains her logic when she come, um, has a, a viewpoint. And she has not communicated with me on this one. But based on this article, based on this, th this is not good for the city at all. It's just going to create division. So are we going to have East Socket against Oak Grove, against the North End, against the Globe and Fairmount? I wish we could take phone calls because I'd like to hear the other side of the issue, but um, I totally disagree. All right. Now, ward-based uh, neighborhoods um, is nothing new to Socket politics. I'll have a comment on Pauline Demers uh, a little bit later on. Um, this is something that got changed in our city charter to what we have today, which is electing our candidates at large. Uh, but um, there was, if you uh, look at uh, any of the city directories of the city of Woonsocket, mm -hmm. you'll see uh, all kinds of ward representation by by politicians throughout the city. And and so this is actually uh, a advisory board uh, vote that is actually going back in history. So, sometimes the most youngest of people and the most progressive and forward-minded, because they're not aware of past history, vote to go into past history even without knowing it. They take an old idea, think it's a new idea, think it's revolutionary, and they're proposing something that goes back to the 1950s in the city of Woonsocket that the city changed and the voters changed because the ward system was too political and it didn't work. So now, um, but I don't think that members of that committee um, even know what a ward uh, was uh, in Woonsocket. However, uh, to balance this issue, the ward system, or what we call the neighborhood system, is not archaic, only archaic for Woonsocket. Most communities in the state still operate on the ward system. Uh, I'm not saying it's a good system, but uh, they're still very uh, pliable and and uh, Providence is uh, an example that works still by the ward system. There's uh, a new part over the weekend, uh, ward system again. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. And then what do you have? You have people like Kate Kerwin 
uh, with cat cat curling. Mm -hmm. You know, totally totally unqualified to represent you know be dog catcher, and she's on the city council. And that that's you're going to increase the likelihood of that happening by having woods. Yes, and and my objection to ward uh, boating is that it it takes um, neighborhoods, and then the more wards you have, the less opportunity you have for quality candidates. Because if I'm going to use the figure you threw out, 800 um, voters uh, could elect in one neighborhood because, well, first of all, you got to find among those voters, uh, the 800 voters in that ward, you've got to find somebody to run. And then you've got to find maybe two candidates to run. And But instead of having the choice of a citywide candidate, you living in that neighborhood are stuck with that person. Maybe it would be force somebody like me to run for office, <laughs> even though I don't want to run for office. But anyway, it's a proposal. Uh, I want to thank Lauren Clem of the Valley Breeze for uh, um, writing on it. And I think, she, uh, you know, I read the whole story. I think she did a, a great job in terms of explaining it, especially especially to those who don't remember the ward system. Do, do you remember, I think you do, the Cranston ticket scandal for you a few years back? There was a yes, vote by the uh, Cranston City Council, and uh, there was a vote against the police contract. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one individual, like, I think it was a swing vote. So uh, and it, uh, the, the research and the investigation bears this out, is that they started ticketing everyone in that ward to, to, to be punitive. And that's the kind of petty politics you get when you have a ward system. So to go that direction, I, I, I think it would be soundly defeated if it goes on the city charter, and, it, and it's, it's going backwards. So, did we spend a lot of time talking about something that most likely will not happen? Yes. I do believe that this discussion, I, I wanted to have it though, because I thought it was, it was um, one worthy of discussion. Uh, I don't believe that the city council will uh, support the proposal, and I don't believe that uh, we're ready for ward representation at this time. In the future, hey, it's based on the new council that could come in. I would say that anything uh, would be possible uh, with that new, new council if it, if it lines up the way that it could line up. But keep in mind that this idea came from a, a sitting city council member. Mm -hmm. So at least one person would have supported it. Now I'd like to speak a moment about Pauline Demers just for a second because you brought her up. She's one member of, a, of a, I think it's a 13-member uh, committee. I just wanted to mention uh, she is um, a, a person I've, I've sat on other committees with. And I just want to mention that when she comes to a committee meeting, I don't know about the other members of, uh, of that board. Um, I certainly um, respect Thomas Gray and, and others who are, who, who are on the board. But uh, having sat on committees with uh, Pauline, all I know is that when she made her vote, um, it was well-researched. She would come to other uh, committee uh, boards that I've been on, and she was always the best prepared, even though I might have been the chairman of the board. She was always better prepared than anybody else coming to the meeting. So uh, do we have somebody who certainly uh, looks into every uh, every cross T and every dotted I uh, Pauline, uh, she's one of them, and I just wanted to single her out uh, as uh, an outstanding choice for uh, for that particular boy. Do, do you want to tackle the other front page story regarding the disagreement of debate location between uh, the two candidates for mayor? Sure, absolutely. I, I would like to make my modest proposal and have them meet right here in the igloo. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, 
yeah, I guess we could do it. Uh, you know, the only thing we couldn't do here in the igloo is cable television. And so, uh, so what is, uh, first of all, let's uh, bring our listeners up to speed with the story. So we have a mayoral, um, I wouldn't, I'm, not, I'm not sure you're calling it a debate. I don't know if Russ Olivo called it a debate in his story. Uh, front page, but it is certainly the meeting of the two candidates for October 21st. So they both have agreed to um, to confront each other and talk about uh, the issues of this campaign. And for that, I commend uh, both uh, the mayor and uh, the challenger, uh, the vice president of the council. So, all right, we have a date set. We have a time set. Now, when we first talked about it uh, in the radio station, because this, uh, this uh, debate is sponsored by WNRI, when we talked about it, we wanted to, uh, because we have the corona epidemic out there, we wanted to make it as easy access to the general public as possible. And the easiest way and the most traditional way is to turn on a radio, and you can listen to the debate. And also... Um, turn on uh, your television set and get it on your cable channel where you get the city council meetings. And I think a lot of people still have cable television and subscribe to cable television. So we wanted to have a setting that uh, could be broadcast live on cable and then pre-recorded, uh, uh, recorded and rebroadcast at numerous times after the debate and broadcast live on radio. And the only place that you can do a live cable broadcast is City Hall. There was a time when there were when uh, another uh, another company, uh, Cox, uh, had cable drops at the library, and they had a cable drop at the middle school. But when Verizon took over, they got rid of those. So the only place that you can plug into live cable is City Hall, and so that's where the city council meetings take place, and that's why you can have a city council meeting live. It's the only place, again, live. Now, um, that's why we wanted to do it there. Now, for some reason, uh, we, we came across the issue of 15 people or less. So we nailed that down. We, uh, we made room for the two candidates, that's two. Uh, spouses of the candidates, that's four. Advisors to the candidates, uh, one each, six. Uh, the Paul Jacobs staff, uh, that would be seven and eight. And the moderator, Jeff Gamash, that would be nine. So we're not looking for 15 people. We're looking for nine people to be in the building. And um, so therefore, we're well, well, well under the 15-person deadline. Frankly, Chris Millay, there's no reason to tell why that shouldn't be held in Harris Hall and why it... It uh, is a front page story of debate um, is beyond me. I don't think the mayor should object. Um, and I don't think that there's another place uh, that could accommodate uh, what we call the technical needs and uh, the outreach needs uh, of, uh, of the news media. That's the place to reach the most people. So I can't see why anybody would want to hold it anywhere else uh, where we could um, accommodate um less people so i'm in favor of you did you did you get my argument i'm in favor of using city hall oh, oh not for political reasons it's just a good place to do it and there's there's, there's no question but this that the i thought arguing over the location was kind of petty stuff and you know who should really you know who should really watch this debate if you call it a debate 
should be Chris Wallace, should be watching Jeff Gamash and how to handle it fairly. <laughs> and because regardless whether you support Lisa or you support John, they both have strong personalities. They, they know each other very, very well. They're going to make their points. They're both going to be very, very well prepared. They're both, both lifelong residents of the city. So there's not going to be too many issues that they're not aware of, and they're going to be very forceful. And you're going to do a much, much better job than Chris, and I think he should listen to the debate, and he should pay attention and uh, learn from you. Well, that's a, that's a, it, it's an interesting task because I've done over – couple of decades now and they're always they all every different debate no matter if it was in Massachusetts or here presents its own obstacles um, I have I remember doing a uh, I think they have a council I can't remember if it was at Ward or not in uh, Taunton and I had the mic controls under the podium uh-huh. I've shut mics off mm-hmm. people that weren't following along as what is talked about in the future presidential debates but as far as local debates um, I've had to uh, get candidates in order, but also for me, it's actually going to be easier, Chris, because I don't have to get the room in order. And if you remember over the years, I can remember the Leo Fontaine, Lisa Baldelli Hunt debate, um, I had to strung on the room a couple mm-hmm. of times, and uh, which I'm not afraid to do, but that's out of the equation. So I actually think this one is going to be easier because I don't have the hundred people to control, I only have two. And uh, I've got a confession to make. I actually started conference calls with clients at 6 a.m. this morning, so I did not hear most of up front. Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested in your opinion. I've never done um, the moderating. You've done scores of them. Do you agree with me that Chris Wallace did a fantastically bad job, or am I being too critical? Yeah, no, I thought he was terrible. My, my uh, secondary comments this morning was, I, I wish uh, the, the, the debates, there's no specialists. I equated it to a game show. They don't develop game show hosts anymore. They take some uh, celebrity from television or movies and stick them in a room with contestants, and they run it, and I think they run poorly. It's the same thing with the debates. I wish the networks would realize you don't need a star power name to draw viewers to the debate. President Trump and Vice President Biden, that's your star power. Mm-hmm. Develop an unknown talent with a special task of moderators, of moderating a debate. Let them carry it. Because when you bring in a Chris Matthews or any other host, they tend to run it like their radio program or their television program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be like me going to the debate and running it like firing line. You yep. just can't do it. So I wish the networks would develop a specific talent for moderating political forums. One to ten, how would you give uh, Chris uh, a rating? It's a tough shoe to fill in because President Trump would be a hard guy to control for anybody Mm -hmm. without a kill switch to mute the mic. So I got to rate him between a four and a six. A four on my gut, but I I feel I might be being being too hard, so I might edge him to a five and a half or six because I haven't walked in his shoes Mm -hmm. with President Trump. Uh, but overall, I was not pleased with, with the moderator, nor was I the last presidential cycle with any of the moderators. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing um, where sometimes we hear too much of the moderator's point of view and not enough of the candidate's point of view. Yeah, I was uh, really disappointed. Again, the first time I'm trying to take it all in, the second time I'm, I'm being more critical in my watching, the follow-up questions by Wallace to the president for us not following up about some incredibly important things, again... Um, I'm trying to keep an open mind, 
and the risk of being repetitive, anybody, Republican or Democrat, is going to change the Supreme Court and start, you know, dump, dumping uh, judges on there beyond the nine. Is that's to me that's treason. But don't be afraid. Sorry, Roger. One, one, one more thought. Don't be afraid to stick to your question. It was a great question. I wasn't even. I, I wish I had thought of it. Uh, would you consider Vice President Biden expanding the Supreme Court if this Supreme Court justice get, uh, nominee gets appointed uh, to stop the filibuster or, uh, or expand the membership? He never answered the question. He continually dodged the question or, or blew the question off. And it happened on both sides. Mm-hmm. So as a moderator, if you bring up a great question and they blow it off, don't be afraid to press and get the answer to that question. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. From the Igloo at Cage, broadcasting live. We'll be back in a little bit. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors or Keyway, Woonsocket. Autumn has arrived at Bilu Flowers. Check out our hearty mum selection in all colors and sizes. See our fall perennials and newly arrived indoor hangers. Dish gardens, too. Everyday fresh flower arrangements and cut flowers. Native produce delivered daily. Cubics brand pellets for heating this winter. Available by the bag or the ton. And we also carry quality washable face masks. Outdoor fall decorations of hay, straw, gourds, and pumpkins arriving next week. Bilu's flowers and more. 666. 65 Diamond Hill Road, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800, and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors or Keyway, Woonsocket. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We are back to the Upfront Radio Cable Internet Talk Show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, directing ourselves from K's here on Cass Avenue, David LaHousse has joined us, uh, proprietor of K's. And uh, good morning, David. Thank you for accommodating us and uh, 
and maybe we can do this more often. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for having me. And, and maybe I was just telling Jeff outside, I said, I'd like to have you come back when it's like two or three feet of snow on the ground. And <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're game of your game. So in this portion of the program, I'd like to talk about um, the industry that I think has been uh, dramatically uh, affected by the coronavirus, and that would be the nursing home industry and the and and also the restaurant uh, industry and so tell me about february when things were uh, you were open inside people were at the bar and so forth could you ever in your wildest days imagine uh that we would be sitting in igloo on october 1st uh under the conditions that we're under i could never imagine that in my life um I, I tell people this all the time. It's been some of the worst and best times of my life. And the the whole, uh, the day that we had to close down, um, well, we didn't close here, but had to lay off everybody, uh, was the worst days of my life. And today, um, we just changed things around, and, and we, we are having really good times. Uh, did I ever think that we'd be sitting in an igloo? out in the parking lot across the street from K's, uh, never. Did I ever think I'd have outdoor dining? Never. But it's worked out well, um, and I'm going to continue it as long as I can, and who knows what the future holds. Now I'm going to go backwards, if I may. That was uh, February, you didn't expect it. Here we are uh, in October, and we're sitting in igloos, and, uh, and I'm looking at uh, your former parking lot here and I'm seeing a complete uh, dining room so what do you see between October 1 and December 31st uh, because I'm sure you're thinking about it well I don't even want to think of December 31st I want to continue right through the, right through the winter that's why I purchased these igloos um, it is our my property and I, and I think I can do whatever I, I need to do out here but honestly if I uh, if if we lose the outdoor dining, Roger. I, I'm going to have to lay off probably two-thirds of my employees um, because I, right now I can only use 11 out of 30 tables inside. So this has given me an extra 20 or so out here. And obviously, with if it, the weather is terrible, we're not going to be sitting out here. Um, but when the weather is, is decent, we'll be able to sit out here in these, in these igloos. And um, after laying off people back in March, I don't want to have to do it again. So, we'll do what we have to do to survive it. I'm going to let uh, Chris ask a question because he's here more than I am. <laughs> okay, yeah. so he's more of an expert. Well, I, I think I've been here a couple of times. Uh, sometimes my uh, iPhone will tell me it's four minutes to K's at lunchtime, but um, my company um, had a seminar yesterday on resiliency. And basically talking about we're all facing things. And, and I think what you've done here and what you've done inside and what you've done as a leader in the community, you show incredible resiliency. Can you talk about that? Because we're you got the two igloos. I know you've got some more going on. But, you know, just facing up against this issue and, and pushing back. Well, Chris, when this whole thing started, nobody knew what was going to happen. And people would say, how, do you, how long do you think it's going to last? And I was kind of using June 1st as a... A date saying, well, I think we might be back open June 1st, and and that didn't happen. And then the way you 
<clears throat> the way I heard things were happening, I, I asked the administration, Lisa, if we could do something with outdoor dining, and that happened. The council approved it, and the council did the thing with the liquor license and so on, so which was very, very helpful uh, to us. Um, but then I also had to think about like changing my menu. I mean, case we had 11 sandwiches when this whole thing started. Now I have, I still have my 11 or whatever sandwiches, but I've changed my whole menu into a very diverse menu that I, I try to think outside the box to say, really, what do you, what are you not going to cook at home? What can I give you? Whether it's ahi tuna or the oysters or the list goes on and on. And so I'm, I just try to reinvent my wheel here. And it's gone over really well. So I reinvented it inside with food, and now I'm trying to reinvent it outside with whether it is the outdoor tables and now now the igloos. So, and I try to say to a lot of people out there, just don't sit back and think the norm is gonna get you through it. You got to really think about the future, and maybe the future will be that every because there's a ton of people who come that still will not go inside. There was a, I had a, a, a family here last night. It was their first time out in 2020. And they, they used the igloo. And uh, they, she put it on Facebook, and it was beautiful. But So there are a lot of people who are fear, fearful of going inside. There are people who don't care. There are, so I'm trying to um, satisfy everybody out there. There's kind of a, a call over. The situation, you know, people are kind of taking it very hard. That everybody's changed and being inside. You come here in the lunchtime, and you can see everyone's moved. You know, you come here on a nice day like today. The, almost every seat will be full, and and you can see that people are very very happy about it. And it, it gives them a, a break from you know maybe like you said being inside, being outside. Right. And on your standard menu, uh, and I think of uh, three key things: uh, steak, roast beef. Pastrami as a maybe a third item. Has this changed at all? Uh, do, do you have the same uh, steak? Do you have the same uh, roast beef? Is it? Can you get the same product? Has the product stayed the same? Tell me about your basic standard eleven sandwiches. <clears throat> so the the original sandwiches were steak, roast beef, and ham, and nothing in fifty two years has has changed here. The steak has only gotten better. Um, the roast beef, we use black Angus prime uh, roast beef. Uh, and so, if anything, I've improved the quality of every item that we do. I, I, don't, I don't skimp on anything here, and I, never, and I never will, whether it's our new things or our old things. It's been, um, that's, that's my staple. I mean, sometimes what people don't understand is that, you know, the animals have changed over the years from the way they've been fed. Even butter has been changed over the years. But we use 100% pure butter. There's no margarine. It's cooked on that same type of grill it's always been in, been cooked on. Um, but, you know, like some people may say that, you know, about fat that's in, on our ribeyes. Well, there's a lot of people who are afraid to eat a lot of fat today. Years ago, people loved the, the fat. But we do trim the fat. Um, but if you don't want to trim, we can do that for you too. But um, but it's if anything, you know, I would say about maybe 20 years ago when I took it over, um, I wasn't crazy about the quality of the ribeyes that we were getting. And I went to a company called A.J. Martin, and they really actually – and then they were bought out by Cisco. And then I got the name of the company where we get our uh, ribeyes from. And now we're back with Bonolo, Bonolo, 
and <clears throat> they have uh, the only person that's going to get that beef that they get is me. They won't sell it to anybody else. So no, it's if anything, why would I want to skip on any quality anyway? It's like it's it's not me. Great. I want to ask you uh, another question about uh, these igloos. Um, I'd love to give you credit as being the first guy in the world that came up with the idea. <laughs> but I understand that these igloos are on backwater all over the world. Tell us, how, how did you come across this? Uh, internet? Uh, somebody so, tell you about it? So I was actually looking for tents, like a, uh, like a tent that we used to use at the, uh, the beer tent, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 40 by 20, you, you name it. And so I looked at that and couldn't see any. And then these, you know, when you re- when you research things on Facebook or whatever, other things pop up. So these popped up, and I saw something that they were in Colorado. <clears throat> I looked at them, and then I did a lot of research on the quality of them. And and obviously they're not cheap. You can buy some cheaper ones, but I wanted something that was going to withstand the the wind and rain and, and and all. So I said I'm going to buy two. See how see how we can set them up. See how they look. See how they feel. So we did. I we loved them right away. I said, "This is it." Tried to order eight more the next day, and they were sold out in the country. So I called the distributor, which was in Boca Raton, Florida. He said to me, "Put your order in. We hopefully we'll have them by the end of the month." But he says you're going to be on the waiting list. I said, "Fine." So I ordered eight more, and actually they came in yesterday. So you so got. Them. I got them. Thank God. So this setup here on Cast Avenue is going to look a lot different in the coming weeks. I think that I said to somebody yesterday that I want this to look like um, almost like a Hallmark movie channel look. When I'm when I'm done with this, when it, once it gets cold and they're all up, I'm going to have Christmas trees. I'm going to make it look like a winter scene, and it's going to be really something special. And my final question on the menu, because I want to get this in before our program ends. So here you are uh, buying K's uh, with the standard. How many how many uh, sandwiches were on the menu when you bought K's? I think there was about seven. All right. Yeah. So there, there they are, seven basic sandwiches, including steak and uh, roast beef and ham. And But your background, if you look into the, um, the loose background here, you're going to find out that you've been in the restaurant business a long time. And the Lodge Pub and Eatery is a full-service restaurant with all kinds of different foods. So knowing what this menu here with 11 sandwiches and knowing that there's so many other food items out there, what are you going to be bringing in in the fall of 2020 that are going to fit this marketplace? Or is that a secret? <laughs> no, it's not a secret. It's, it's uh, I, I really can't answer everything. I, like in my, my mind is like constantly moving. <clears throat> Last week I made Steak Diane. For a few people, and because the only place you can get that is Capriccio's that I know of in Rhode Island, and I, I love it myself, so I'm messing around with things like that. I did the chicken. I do the chicken pot pies. I make 12 of them. We sell them out. We make 16. We sell them out. I'll be doing some beef pot, uh, French meat pies uh, today, tonight. And but like like tonight, I'm gonna go a little easy. I'm gonna have my oysters and little necks. So I'll, I'll be in the kitchen downstairs. But while I'm down there, I'm always working on something different. But like I said, I want to give our customers a different experience here. It's given me the opportunity to take K's and bring it into a different uh, atmosphere of restaurants. Like, <clears throat> how many times a week can you eat a K steak sandwich? After a while, it, 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 you, you, it, it, I, 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 want, I want people to say, all right, I had a steak sandwich 
Monday, if you're coming back again, I had Ahi Tuna or Caprice Salah, I had Oysters Rocket. So I'm trying to get, be, become very diverse without actually ruining the restaurant either. It's I want it'll always be the classic Kings, but I think we'll expand it a little bit. Please, All right, please, don't, please don't forget the Clams Casino. I had those Saturday night. You, you've got two versions. I'm more of a plain guy, so I had the plain one, but you've got two, and they're both fantastic. Thank you. The you governor and her uh, take it out uh, thing and, and all kinds of loans to businesses. Why don't you talk, uh, as we close out the, uh, the broadcast, why don't you talk about the restaurant industry uh, in uh, not only because we're so close to Blackstone and Bellingham, the Blackstone Valley in, in Rhode Island, and uh, are you? Uh, I don't like to get you too into deep political, but uh, is it being run properly? Uh, how does the restaurateur and the hospitality people feel? I'm I'm somewhat satisfied with what's what's been happening. <clears throat> I think that you know they're, they're sometimes I think they're a little too late to the table. I think that. They needed to throw a lifeline, not really just for me, but maybe not even for me, because I've been okay, and, and I, <clears throat> because of what I've done, my business has been good, especially here. But I, I think that, you know, when they came out with these these grants that they're coming out with, and I know, I, I think they announced some yesterday, maybe, but it's like almost a little too late for some of the people to survive, like, like to, for outdoor furniture or outdoor heaters and things like that. You can you can say you give me a thousand dollars to buy outdoor heaters. Try to find them right now. They're 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 almost non-existent. It's like you, it's it's like trying to go buy uh, fall things at a, at a place right now. They're selling Christmas, so it's it's very difficult to to do. They need to just kind of I don't know. I, I I think that they're sometimes a little too late. But with that being said, I, I think they're trying their best. I mean. It, it's so hard on everybody, and I, I, I see the people of the in my in my world, my restaurant world, that there's such a fear going on. And I, like, if I don't diversify right now and, and do this outside, like I said, and I got to go to 11 out of 30 tables in my restaurant, it's gonna it's gonna kill me. And, but more importantly, I'm gonna lay off two thirds of my staff. And so, what's the trickle down effect of that? So that's where I, I feel like. And with our administration, what they did, you know, they kind of relaxed all the regulations. Let let us survive. It's you know we can we can do it on our own, but like, it, but it would be helpful to have the, the governor or the, to get that money out a little easier. And I think some of their um, paperwork that they have to do it is is too ridiculous. I mean, I, I I started to fill out the application. I couldn't get it here, but I could get it for the lodge. And I stopped. I didn't even finish the application on it because it was too much. I'm like, I, I, I got, I'm too worried about running my restaurant than worrying about a fifteen thousand dollar grant, which sounds stupid, but I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm a restaurant. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a lawyer. But the SBA things were very easy to do. That was in the beginning. In the beginning, they yeah. managed to complicate it. As we close out on a lighter note, was the lobster in a corn? Husk setting your most successful venture outside of the 11 sandwiches this summer, or was it something else? Well, I'll say that it doesn't matter what I've seen to put out, everything sells well. But that was a very unique dish, and I'm going to keep it going until I can continue to get the good corn. 
but it, you know, as the corn season ends, I, I won't, I won't do it anymore. But um, no, it, it was very unique, um, and I will have it next year also. But it was uh, something that everybody really loved. Chris, do you eat the same thing every time you come here? Uh, are you one of those uh, people, uh, steak sandwich, steak sandwich, steak sandwich? Uh, nope, I've expanded. I lost what the specials are, and I just keep rotating, and then I get to the end, and getting to the end doesn't take very long because I'm here a lot. Right. Dave LaHousse, thanks for uh, letting us uh, sit in your in your igloo and, um, and be in your parking lot. I never thought, uh, just like we opened up this segment, I never thought I'd be doing a program exactly where I'm sitting right now. Well, let's let's do it again when the uh, when the snow is falling and we can make something really special. I think Dave Lahoos and Mr. Uh, Mr. Boule, thank you for uh, kind of setting this up and orchestrating this. My pleasure. Did I say kind of? Thank you for setting it up. And for uh, all of us here on the Upfront Program, we'll see you tomorrow. It's going to be a lot different than today. Bye bye. Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm announces, while we have paused in-store shopping for now, we have curbside pickup daily during our regular business hours, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Milk, cream, eggs, cheese, bread, ice cream, cakes, and more than 70 of your favorite bakery items are available every day for pickup. There are three ways to order. One by phone, call the farm at 401 767 3014 extension 4 to place your order. Pay by credit card and select a pickup day and time. Two, on site. Order from your car, online or over the phone. Wait in your vehicle while our team in real time fills your order. Wait times may vary. And number three, to view our current menu and place an order online or to view frequently asked questions, go to rightsdairyfarm.com. Stay safe while we work through these unusual times. This message from Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm, North Smithfield. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Savini's Pomodoro Restaurant is open for inside and outside dining too. And you can enjoy our famous and very popular Sicilian style pizza, clam cakes and chowder, fish and chips, fried clam sandwiches, and our full Italian specialties too. And you can always order takeout, taking reservations for indoor and outdoor service at 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro, Rathbun Street, Woonsocket, open Tuesday through Sunday. And yes, we always have family style chicken. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.